You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, man? Welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and also my other co-host, John Kegley. Who this will be his last show for a little while. This is the Farewell Friday show for John Kegley. Sad but excited for him, obviously. But we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys. Well, I'm just glad that the Chargers have stayed out of the news today so that we could, you know, focus really on John Kegley's final show, you know, for at least 10 weeks while he's gone at basic training before he ends up joining the Army. But, of course, that's not true because the Chargers were all over the news on Thursday and not for a great reason, at least as far as how it's perceived on the outside. The Chargers were in the news because Dean Spanos's sister is trying to force him to sell the team because the team is reportedly losing a lot of money. So in the first segment, we're going to talk about just our initial thoughts on that. We also, in the second segment, be potentially getting into, does this mean the Chargers could potentially move back to San Diego? Because I know that was a hot topic going on on Chargers social media. We'll also just talk about you know charitable efforts that the Chargers may be coming up short on and just some other parts of very interesting articles about this entire situation and then to wrap up the show today since it is going to be John's last show for a while we're going to talk about what he wants to see happen during these next 10 weeks so if there's any free agents he still wants that he won't be able to know about because he's going to be at basic training you know in his ideal draft as far as you know a couple guys he wants to see on the Chargers when he finds out who the Chargers got to draft because for the first time and I'm sure forever he's not going to be able to watch the draft I mean John when's the last time he didn't watch the NFL draft uh, probably 2004 when I first started watching. I didn't see that draft, but I my first draft I ever watched was Alex Smith, number one overall pick in 05, I believe. That's I've crazy. watched everyone since. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be very trippy for you to have to, like, wait on bated breath to see who the Chargers selected. And if, you know, the communications come on that next Sunday, you're going to have all seven picks. So we'll get into all of that at the end of the show and bid John a farewell for just a little while, just 10 weeks. But it's going to feel crazy because he's been on the show every week since we started this whole thing. So excited to get into that. Excited for John. But let's start with this cluster that has been the Chargers in social media on Thursday, starting with the report that came out in a report done by the LA Times that was reporting that the Chargers owner, Dean Spanos's sister, is actually trying to bring up a lawsuit to force the Spanos family to sell the team to recoup some of that money. I mean, there was a lot of reporting done on this and the Chargers have released a statement as well, but there's a lot to really get into here because she brought the receipts as far as in the LA Times. You can see that the Chargers are definitely losing money. I mean, somewhere in the range of $330 million, they're supposedly in debt. A $22 million of that is pledges to charities that she is saying they will not be able to fulfill. And when you have a... a organization like this that's run by a family and somebody doesn't want to be part of it you know and wants to get out of it 
it can get a little messy. And I think, David, that's what we're seeing here right now. I mean, at least from the initial reports, I don't get the instant thought of, hey, this means that Dean Spanos is going to sell the team right now or he will be forced to sell the team. But this could definitely get messy. Yeah, it definitely could. And honestly, when I first saw this, I thought it was an April Fool's joke, right? I mean, I thought all of us did. But as you look at the writing and you read the article, you get the sense very, very quickly that this is no joke. This is very serious. This is some very pointed words that Dean Spanos's sister is you know, putting out there in a 156-page document, a petition, uh, basically imploring him to sell the team, basically saying, hey, you know, the decisions that you've made or and the team has made has compromised our ability to, you know, really fulfill our obligations. And also, you know, this asset right here, like the trust's asset, which is the team, is losing the family money. And he's, she's basically saying, hey, you need to get rid of the team because it's compromising all of our stakes in this trust. So this was something very, very serious that came out. Daniel, I'm kind of uh, was at a loss for words when I first saw this. I didn't think that the, the you know, that family spouts at this level would take place. So to see this come out is just very alarming. When you don't really hear a lot about Dean Spanos's, you know, brother and sisters you just don't really hear about them as much because they're not you know the ones managing the team which is Dean Spanos obviously but this is from the LA Times who says that DS Spanos Barbarian who serves as a co-trustee of the family trust along with her brother alleges the trust debts and expenses exceed 353 million and more than 22 million of those dollars it had pledged to charities and I think that's really the bad look here, you know, and if you're Dia coming after the money like she is right now and trying to get the Spanos family to sell the team, I mean, that's a pretty good thing to bring up, John, because, I mean, if your organization is getting, you know, blasted by one of its part owners, and let's get into that real quick, too, because this is really how it works. I mean, each of the four siblings, Dean and his brother and two sisters, each own 15% of the franchise and 36 more percent of the franchise is managed by the family trust with only 4% being owned by non-family members. So really this is, you know, they do own a majority of the team, really 96% of the team. And she is saying that, you know, that number keeps dwindling because of what Dean Spanos is doing right now and losing money. But when you start bringing up charities, not being able to fulfill pledges that you've made to charities john i mean it is a really bad look i think we can all agree on that well and when you bring up the fact that you have a huge amount of money that you owe that you owe the nfl owners over 10 years for relocating and then you have all this debt and you're not making up the charity money you're obviously doing something wrong running this business and it's obviously not changing right i mean we've we've known this since the san diego days that they're not really marketing themselves the right way. The team just always loses money. Spanos is one of the poor owners. We've known this stuff. And ever since moving to L.A., it seems like it's gotten worse in the pocket. Like the team's become worth more, but it seems like the pockets and the bank accounts of the owners are not becoming worth more. And that's just a, a case of not marketing the team right, not using the money right. You could have had your own stadium and profit a bunch from all the marketing and stuff and instead Kroenke gets majority of that now even though you're still getting one dollar a year rent 
you're still somehow losing money. There's a lot more to this than just running a football team. You got to market it and you got to be able to sell the jerseys and stuff to make all that extra money. So somehow, some way, Spanos is not targeting what he needs to target to make money. And it shows he doesn't know what he's doing with this team now. It's like Alex knew everything. Well, and also there's no other evidence to that fact than just the stadiums that, you know, the Chargers games have looked like the last several years. I mean, in the soccer stadium, they can't even sell it out, and it still gets overran by uh, opposing fans. The Chargers have failed up to this point to establish a foothold uh, in Los Angeles. It's just been a failure. They just haven't been able to grow their brand in L.A. Well, so I will say one thing. I mean, the marketing and those things, I mean, that's gotten better. I mean, they're, you know, make the most impressions on social media. They have a fantastic social media team. They have a ton of you know, people on there on Chargers Twitter that has become a monster of its own. That's seen Justin Herbert win every time he was up for Pepsi Rookie of the Week and for Pepsi Rookie of the Year. I mean, there is a fan base there. I mean, their apparel sales have been near the top of the league now. I mean, they have marketable players. They're selling jerseys. They're doing things like that. And the other thing about owning a franchise like this is there's going to be a lot of expenses, right? And we also can't pretend that COVID-19 isn't a thing either, right? I mean, every owner lost money over this last year. You don't know how much of these losses have come just from, you know, COVID and things like that and how much of it has come, you know, from the years prior to that. So those parts are kind of hard to parse what is what as far as when all of this money is being lost and all of those things. But I do think it is just very interesting because, yes, you can lose money if you're an NFL franchise knowing that the valuation of your franchise is going up, right? I mean, $353 million in debt seems like a lot, but if they go sell the team and make $2.7 billion per se, I think you're coming out on a pretty good net positive there, right? You're still making over $2 billion. So it is interesting because I do think a lot of NFL owners and things do lose money, but... For the Spanos family, most of their money is coming from football, and that's what D is saying is he's putting all of his eggs into the prosperity of the team, and that's something you know that she isn't comfortable with as far as how much money they've been losing so far. But there's many different layers to this story. So in the next segment, I do want to get into what this means as far as their chances for you know San Diego fans out here saying, hey, this could mean the Chargers are coming back to San Diego. And also a part of this report that shows that Dean Spanos wrote that he was going to hire an investment banker to potentially sell the team after the 2024 season. So we're going to get into the rest of this drama coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. It's the only place that I use to bet. And as far as real-time updated odds and in-game betting, you're not going to find somewhere better than betonline.ag. Whether it's on college basketball right now or the NBA or baseball, which just came back as we're recording this today. Super excited about that. You can bet on a ton of things with betonline.ag, even UFC and things like that, NFL futures. So much to bet on and you're going to get the best odds from betonline.ag. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and it's the best place for your bets and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. That's a 50% welcome bonus, free money on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
So I want to continue getting into this whole Chargers drama because, I mean, it was all over everything. I mean, it was on ESPN. It was the talk of Chargers Twitter all day on Thursday. And I think it's worth talking about. And I don't want this to come off as three guys who lived in San Diego, had an affinity for the team when they were there, and are just salty at the ownership for moving. I mean, I think we've all had to deal with the Chargers leaving. And of course, none of us were happy about that when it happened. But I think, I mean, as listeners of our show, I think you guys know that. I think we cover the the team the same way, regardless of how we felt about the ownership in the past. And this is just factual things coming out about this team right now. We're not saying these things to bash them. It could be overblown as far as, you know, the losses and all of those things. But it is messy. It's not a good look for the NFL right now. It's not a good look for the Chargers to have this spill out into the public, right? I mean, obviously these battles have been going on behind the scenes. Now it has taken a very public turn. And one of the biggest things that came out of this was an agreement that was in here from Dean Spanos that he had sent to his siblings back in November of 2019, where he agreed to retain an investment bank to find a buyer for the team after the 2024 season. So this is what the report is, John. We don't know if they would have totally sold the team because they weren't supposed to be able to sell the team within 10 years of moving to Los Angeles without heavy, heavy fines or something along those lines. And I'll get into that part of it. But that is interesting, right? Because Diaz here saying, hey, that's going to be too long. You're losing too much money to wait until 2024 to sell the team. But the big part of not being able to sell the team is so you can't just move a team that has, you know, a city that loves it in its own way in San Diego and then move somewhere else and sell it for a big profit. That's seemingly what he was trying to do, at least after the 2024 season, at least how it's being reported here. But it could have also meant, you know, after 2024, giving the individual family members a chance to sell their stake, which, you know, accounts for 15% of what of the Chargers ownership stakes. So what did you think when you saw that news that there was, you know, a plan to sell at least a portion of the team? I mean, I'm not surprised that there was a plan to sell a portion of the team. The fact that it's 2024 is a little weird. Maybe they're just getting three years ahead of the plan or something, but I'm not surprised the whole point of moving the team was to make the team worth more. If you look at all the press conferences and how everything went down in the San Diego things, it was the whole plan was to move the team to LA at any cost, make the team worth more, and then eventually sell it for the big profit. Now, whether you're right, we don't know whether he's meant to just let the the kids and stuff sell their sell their share, and then Dean's gonna just keep his or something, or maybe they're selling the whole thing together as a family. Whatever the situation is, there was gonna be a plan to sell regardless. And now that we know that 2024 plan is out there you can actually have like a date now you have a date to actually look and listen when 2024 comes around if this whole court thing doesn't go through and they still have every inch of the team owned that they still own then 2024 you're now listening to all the news like okay is who which one of these guys is trying to buy the team right now what's the rumor is it mark cuban and so on and so forth yeah i mean that definitely puts a timetable on it that we didn't have before right and i think you know there are obviously some people that are in favor of Dean Spano selling the team, and there's obviously some people who are totally indifferent to the whole situation because, as they put in their statement, it's not going to affect the day-to-day football operations. And even with all this money that they're reportedly losing, you've still seen them go out and spend money on Keenan Allen, on Joey Bosa, 
right, on Corey Lindsley in this last free agency period. So it's not like it's hampering them in a salary cap sport to go get these guys, right? But I do want to be fair and mention their statement because Dean Spanos and his siblings that are still on his side about this said that our parents, Alex and Faye, wanted the Chargers to be a part of the Spanos family for generations to come. For the three of us, the Chargers is one of our family's most important legacies, just as it was for our parents. Unfortunately, our sister Dia seems to have a different and misguided personal agenda. If Dia no longer wishes to be part of this family legacy, the three of us stand ready to purchase her share of the franchise as our agreements give us the right to do. So obviously three of the four you know, controlling members of these Chargers shares are still on the same page and they're still, you know, wanting to keep the team as they're putting it. And I understand, you know, for them to say, hey, she is the black sheep and wants to do this. And we all know that the Chargers will start making money eventually once people can keep start coming into the stadiums again and all of those things as the team, team tries to grow a higher profile in L.A. But she doesn't want to be part of waiting for that. And she wants to, you know, cash out now while they haven't lost all of their money is what at least it seems like. But this is very interesting because I know it's led a lot of people to wonder, are the Chargers potentially going to move back to San Diego if they get bought by someone else? So in the LA Times report, it does talk about Jeff Bezos would be interested potentially in buying the Chargers if a sale was forced or if the Chargers did decide to sell. And Sam Farmer from the LA Times also kind of wondered in his reporting if the NFL would negate or reduce the flip tax that they put on the relocating teams to try to get rid of the headache which right now the Spanos family is creating for the NFL. As far as moving back to San Diego, David, I mean it just doesn't seem likely at all at this point, at least financially for someone to buy this as a business. Understanding that yeah, I mean maybe if people feel they rightfully should be there, you already made the move, you're already paying the money. I mean, it, it is worth more than it was in San Diego, even though it's not worth as much as some people thought it would be when they moved. But it's hard to imagine, even if the charges were sold, that people will ever really get that dream of them moving back to San Diego where they really started. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, all of us would love that, right? We would all love to have the Chargers back in San Diego. Like well, all of said, us we are all, <laughs> yes, yes, all of San us Diego here people. on this show. We are all from San Diego, so yes, we would love to have the Chargers back in San Diego. But the reality is this. They moved from San Diego to L.A., and they are in one of the biggest media markets in the world. It's about money. It's in turn made them a lot of money. It, it, if someone were to purchase the Chargers, it doesn't really make sense for them to move the team, especially move them back to San Diego, unless that person with that money has a special connection or interest in in the city of San Diego. So I just think that is a pipe dream, a dream that would be beautiful, but a pipe dream none, nonetheless. Well, I mean, it would really come down to, are they trying to take a gamble here? I mean, Jerry Jones bought a Cowboys franchise that wasn't worth that much. And now look at it, it's like one of the most valuable franchises there is. Someone could look at this and go, if I move this team back to San Diego with its own stadium, I could probably make it worth even more than it is in LA. Like they, you would have to think they have a project in mind to do this. But the other thing people don't mention is if someone buys the team, they could move them out of California and just rebrand the team completely. I mean, San Antonio has been looking for a team when the Chargers were in the whole LA San Diego thing back in 15 and 16, San Antonio was also a rumored place for the Chargers to move as well. So out of state is also not something that's out of the question. 
Yeah, so was London, right? Remember when we heard that? The Chargers might be the London Chargers. I mean, we've heard a lot of things. I mean, but I don't know how, you know, someone could think that they're going to make more in San Diego than they are in L.A. I mean, that would be interesting to see. But you would have to think, it would have to depend on who's going to buy it, right? I mean, if it's Jeff Bezos, I don't know why he would want to move the team back to San Diego specifically if he thinks that they can make more money in Los Angeles. But if it's someone like Joseph Tsai, who already owns the you know National Lacrosse League seals in San Diego, already has land in San Diego and has an affinity for San Diego, maybe you know a billionaire like that would just do it as sort of a charitable effort to try to bring them back as the shine, you know, knight in shining arbor. I think it's incredibly unlikely at this point, but I think you'd have to find someone that loves San Diego and loves the San Diego Chargers and just happens to have you know, a ton of money to spend to bring them back here because it doesn't seem like right now it would be feasible to try to move back and then make more money, build a new stadium, spend money on that, and do all of the things it would take to get them back there. As much as it hurts me to say that, but as you guys know, you know, we love LA Charger fans. We love San Diego Charger fans. It sucks that that has gotten so bitter and that the war of words on Twitter and those things from people, you know, not understanding the pain of people in San Diego and the people of San Diego lashing out angrily at the new fans of LA. I mean, that's it sucks to watch because at the end of the day, these people all love the Chargers and have that kind of same passion for the team. So it would be nice if those people could get more on the same page. But I think we do a pretty good job of staying right where we are and just giving our opinions based on just how we think about the Chargers as a team and our analysis of them and not, you know, if we're San Diego people or LA people. But we do have one more segment to get into, the most important segment of the show, because it's going to be John Kegley's last segment for 10 weeks while he's in basic training. So we're going to figure out what he wants to see happen while he's gone so we can come back and talk about it when he gets back. And we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the madness has come to its apex because the championship built bar bracket is happening right now. And the two contenders for the championship belt are cookie dough chunk and coconut brownie chunk, two juggernauts that have really smashed their way through the entire bracket. The madness has ended. The two biggest contenders here meet up in the championship game. If you guys go to builtbar.com right now, you might be able to see the results of the best protein bar on the planet. The votes are still coming in right now. The votes are still being counted. We don't know who the winner is yet, but if I'm putting my money on it, I think it's Coconut Brownie Chunk, who has really been a Cinderella story as a bar that had really just come out right before this tournament and now has made its way to potentially being the best protein bar in the world. But if you guys want to check that out, just go to BuiltBar.com. You can check out their Twitter at bar underscore built. And don't forget, you can save 15% on your next order from BuiltBar.com when you use the promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order of bars at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, I'll fight back my tears right now as we get into the final segment of John Kegley being on with us regularly, at least for a couple of months as he goes off to basic training. I've already told you guys all week how proud I am of John and just how excited I am because I know how excited he is to go do this. But this also means he's going to be super out of the loop for the next 10 weeks, right? We won't be able to call John next week and get his thoughts on the Chargers' latest free agency signing if they go out there and get somebody or if they trade to bring somebody in, right? And we're not going to know how he feels about the draft when it comes upon us and if his thoughts have changed on that at all because he'll be gone. 
So, John, I wanted to take this opportunity to give you a chance to kind of give us your ideal scenario of what's going to happen while you're gone. So let's start with free agency because we know it's simmered down a little bit, but obviously the Chargers still have some money to play around with, right? I mean, according to Daniel Popper, even after the latest signings, they have somewhere around $12 million in cap space. We know how you can kind of finagle the numbers to really sign any, you know, size kind of contract. Like they could still sign a big time person for a big time contract and work the numbers to make it fit with this year's salary cap. So since you won't be able to talk about free agency until free agency is well done and over, how would you like the rest of that to play out? Is there anyone you're looking at that you would like to see on the Chargers when you get back in 10 weeks? I mean, not really. I mean, I'm more worried about the draft. I feel like the young guys that are worth less money is going to be a better situation for the Chargers. I mean, there's guys like a Richard Sherman that would be a cool fit to get in just so he could have a guy that could teach Michael Davis a few more things. Or even maybe someone like Ryan Kerrigan, who's like 32 years old, but could be your your depth at pass rusher or be your starter, depending on how well he performed at the age of 32. But I'm sure he wouldn't cost you too much. Outside of that, I'm not really looking at many free agents. It's mostly the draft and undrafted free agents. So I'm glad you brought up the draft because obviously you won't be able to see it for the first time and like you talked about so many years. So when you're looking at the draft, you know, if you get a call from Sierra, your wife, that, you know, the draft picks are all in, you've seen, you know, what the charges have gotten, like, what do you want that to look like? What's your ideal scenario? You don't have to get into every guy in a seven round mock draft, but who would you want to see the most on there? Like, what would be the ideal situation for you as far as what positions get filled and who they take? Well, I'm hoping they still take offensive linemen first. Um, after watching the Tommy Tremble game tape, I would love to have someone like that to watch lay people out. Um, Anthony Schwartz is someone that I'm kind of hoping we get in the later round. Just that speed on special teams would be awesome. And if he somehow matures into our new wide receiver when Mike Williams leaves or something with all that speed. It's like your new Tyreek Hill on the Chargers. Outside of that, um, just fill your gaps. Don't be pulling stupid moves like when we were getting Justin Jones and Trey Pipkins in the third round. Guys that were just absolute reaches, basically. <laughs> like You could have got them some other time, and you got these guys that are worth nothing that we knew were worth nothing in the third round. I feel like you need a... Go based on the round that you have. Look around the guys that are supposed to go in that area that you're going in and pick from there. Do not reach and fill your gaps. Do not be getting a running back in the second or first round. Don't even get a wide receiver in the first round for that matter either. I mean, you've got some good ones already. You've got a lot of wide receivers on this roster. Go for your gaps. Cornerback, the safeties, the defensive line, your edge rusher. Fill those gaps and get an offense alignment in the first two rounds at least. In the first two rounds? Oh, like it take at least one lineman in the at first least, two at, rounds. Okay. At least in one of them, yeah. I guess I said that wrong. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. First no, or I second round, take that. one offensive lineman. If it's, well, I mean, that's not necessarily left tackle or bust at 13, then, if you're saying you get the first two rounds. I'm just saying at least I want left tackle or bust, right. but I know the Chargers never do what I want because if that was the case, we wouldn't have Justin Jones or Trey Pipkins on this roster. But – we know that, it's, yeah, it could, they could go a very <laughs> different direction with that pick. We know well and good that they will probably not go with the one that we want. Oh, bro, if if I get a phone, when I call Sierra on the Sundays, whatever days I get the phone call. It's Mac Jones. And I, get, and I hear Rayshon Slater 
Asante Samuel Jr. and Tommy Tremble. I'm just going to do a backflip and everyone's going to be looking at me and drill sergeants are going to take the phone from me and shit. I mean, I, I guess, David, like our goal now is for you to like pull some strings in the army, somehow get John's phone call, you know, redirected to us somehow and then use some sort of like voice modulator to totally, you know, lie to John about who the Chargers draft. I mean, I'm trying to think of who the most ridiculous person, like who John would want the least in the first round, right? I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm, but it, like, it would be so fun, David, if we were the ones that got to tell him who the Chargers drafted. I'm upset that we're going to miss that opportunity. Yeah, I definitely would have really enjoyed that. I'm uh, actually thinking about setting up a, you know, I think a secret communication line. Uh, <laughs> I used to do that in the army. I did satellite communication, so I'm going to get right on that. Uh, actually, I'm just going to talk to Sierra, and then we're going to get the information to him. But we're going right. to mess with him a little bit. We can't tell him exactly who it was, or maybe it is, but we're going to mess with his head, and we're going to really make him work for who actually the Chargers drafted because I know that is going to be John's absolute favorite thing right then and there. <laughs> the Chargers are oh, drafting Rondale Moore at the 13th overall pick. I already told Sierra I'm going to have a freaking checklist that she has to check every day. I want to know the Padres record, how the Lakers are doing, who the Chargers drafted, check any free agent signs. Like, I got a list that she has to do, and if she fails, there's going to be issues. The hardest Marital working issues. woman in sports is about to be Sierra. <laughs> Sierra's about to get a 10-week vacation from John, so, I mean, if that's all she has to hear about sports over that 10 weeks, I think she'll probably be pretty happy about it. Um, oh my but, God. <laughs> but now I mean yes I mean so every other report that she gives to you will be totally accurate we just have to and John you know earmuffs right now we just have to get it so that when that Sunday comes upon us that we have Sierra give John the wrong information and I think that's doable I mean I have Sierra on Facebook <laughs> you know we've been messaging you know back and forth I'll slip a couple things in I say this I say that and John thinks we get, you know, Rashad Bateman or Rondale Moore at the 13th overall pick. Travis Etienne Jr., Najee Harris with the first round pick. And then, you know, John will know none the better. And he'll just have to stew on that at basic training and hope he doesn't punch if, a hole through a wall. If I hear the words Najee Harris is the first pick in the draft <laughs> by the Chargers, I'll know it's a lie. All right. So we'll have to make it more realistic than that. But, I mean, there's no reason it can't be Jalen Waddle. I mean, I know you don't want a wide receiver. so. Oh, I would be so mad. <laughs> I mean Devonta it, Smith. I, yeah, I mean oh. it's hard to be. It's hard to get mad at drafting a Heisman winner, but with the Chargers' needs, yeah, that's that's not the move there. I mean, at least if there's any respectable offensive lineman at that point, or even cornerback before wide receiver, I think we all are on the same page as far as that goes. But John, I love you. You know, you're one of my closest friends. We talk way too much. I have to talk to you pretty much seven days out of the week. As much as, you know, we always go back and forth, all three of us, you know, talking to each other every day, and we, we get on each other's nerves and stuff like that, but I can honestly sit here and say, I'm super proud of you, I'm super excited for you, because I know me and you have been talking for a long time about, you know, stuff that you want to do, and this was, you know, near the top of that list of things you wanted to do, so super happy for you, man, very excited for you, but I'm more excited for you to come back. Uh. I'm just excited to get it done with and over with so I can start a new career and actually have a better situation in life. Because right now, I'm, I was, before this all happened, I was working at Dollar Tree six days a week at 2 a.m. in the morning, 
Then you after busted that, your ass doing podcasts and not sleeping at all, and I appreciate that too. Yeah, and then after that, I'd be good doing Instacart, which is like Uber, but you're delivering groceries while shopping for people. And then I'd get home and prepare for the show and then do the show. And after that, I'd have like two hours to sleep and then I'd go to back to work. So I'm hoping yep. this like improves that life situation to help get me out of my $30,000 in debt from having a car and going to Charger games. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers have been a very expensive hobby for you, but I'm just super stoked for you, man. I know David is definitely stoked for you, too. I'm stoked that I'm going to be, you know, on the show with one veteran and one active service man, you know, on the show. I'm just super excited. We should just rename the show, right? Shouldn't we do that, David, right? The the veteran, the active, and and the civilian? Perfect. Yeah, that's going to go over really well. But um, in, in all seriousness, John, obviously, you know, I'm very proud of you, man. As a veteran who served this country, I know exactly what you're about to go through. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but I know you have the mental fortitude and the physical attributes to be able to get it done. So, no, seriously, <laughs> I mean, you can you can you can do that all you want. But, uh, you know, I know that this is going to do really good for you and and for your life. I mean, it's going to teach you a lot of great things and it's really going to put you on a good path to really solidify your future. But um, go out there, like I said, keep your head down and uh, keep your mouth shut and go get through it, man. And Boomer Sooner. I don't really – I don't really – oh, I hate you. You had to throw that in there because I'm going to Oklahoma, right? You had to do that, right? <laughs> uh, wait, just know I know where you live, and mm. Rock Auto might be your new best friend after I'm done with your car. Just letting you know that. Let's just hope that Oklahoma doesn't run off on John so much that he comes back saying the Chargers should have drafted Jalen Hurts. Instead of uh, Justin Herbert, but oh my god, <laughs> the ch- the show will be different over the next ten weeks. I'm excited to get John back here so we can poke some more fun at him, and I'm sure he's going to do great. This is only you know see you later or whatever they say, but I'm excited for him, and you know the show will still be back on Monday, but it'll obviously be a little bit less than it normally is because we won't have John there. But that is going to do it for today's show. If you guys want to reach out and you know give John your support, you can find him on Twitter at BiggestChargerFan. If you type in BiggestChargerFan, he'll pop up. He spells it all wrong and weird, but you guys will be able to find John Kegley there and make sure you wish him you know a good trip to Oklahoma because I know it's going to be eating him up that he's not in Texas. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday. Until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockdownLAC and to like the Facebook page Lockdown Chargers as well as giving us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the new Odyssey app. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcast from and make sure you follow us so you can stay up to date with the day-to-day episodes. If you guys want to get on the show with your voicemails, the number is 323-524-7924 and we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. Good luck, John. We are going to miss you. We will talk to you guys later. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.